God, we are truly grateful for 20 years of your spirit of favor. We're grateful for every single boy and girl and man and woman who have bowed their knee to Jesus. We're grateful for every campus that we have. We're grateful for every building, every staff member. We're grateful for every small group leader, every single person who is committed to ministry, the core, the founders. God, we're grateful for everyone that's here this weekend. And Father, we celebrated what you've done, but as we look forward, as we think about what you've called us to do, as we, as we plan, as we, as we pray, God, we are desperate for your spirit to move. Lord, you have, you have laid out a vision that cannot be done in the physical. It can only be done by the supernatural power of a thrice holy God. So, Father, this weekend, would you move in spirit and in power? God, as you release your word this weekend, you said that your word would not return void, but it would accomplish that which you sent it out to do. Oh, God, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Fill people, save people, heal people, encourage people. God, we ask you to move in power. Would you remove the blinders? Would you help us get our eyes off just ourselves and onto something grander and greater and more glorious? Help us fix our eyes on Jesus, Spirit of the living God. We ask you to fall in power at every campus. Lord, you said you would build your church. We believe it and we receive it and we look to you for power. And in Jesus' name we pray it. And all God's people said... Somebody give God some praise in the house. Well, we have been operating on, on really a 20-year mandate that God, had, as the church was founded and then really came to fruition as we began this decade, we knew that God had said that he wanted us to make it hard to go to hell. And his, but, but really, we, put a, a, we, we, we renamed it sort of when we began this decade in 2010, the Decade of Dreams. And in the decade of dreams, God really uh, laid out for us that he wanted us to reach 10,000 people for the gospel, for the kingdom of God. And it, it literally rocked and shocked us. There was no way. We're looking, saying, God, it's never been done anywhere around here. We don't know how that looks. We just don't know. But God just said, hey, this is where I want you all to go. And we did. And we are actually ahead of schedule in the decade of dreams of winning people, of growth, of planning campuses and moving. And actually now... As we're halfway done with this, with this decade, I, we can actually see the end. We, we can see. There's a problem with that. There's a problem when you can see where God wants you to go. When you believe that you can reach it, then we think that we no longer need God. If we just do what we've done, if we continue to add campuses, if we continue to add services, if we just do what we've done, then we're going to reach 10,000 people. But let me tell you, when you stand in an arena where you don't think that you need God, that you're not desperate, that you're not dependent on the power of God to move, then you are in a dangerous place. And that's where the bulk of American churches are. They've got enough nickels and noses buildings and budgets, plans and programs, enough strategy and structure that they believe that they can do what God wants them to do without the power of God. And it just simply doesn't happen. See, that can happen to a church, a denomination, a small group. It can happen to a Christ follower. Would you agree with that? And, what, and, and see, if we, we all can literally fall into that mode. What happens is, you know, God blesses and then we, it, it begins to create complacency. 
See, an autopilot begins to build apathy. When you set your life on cruise control, spiritually, physically, or any way, when a church sets itself on cruise control, then you are in trouble. Amen? Man, we need to, every single one of us in the spirit need to put that, put that sucker in gear. I mean, you heard the old saying, get it in gear. Well, you know, back when most of the cars were, were manual, back, you know, a, a, another century ago. I mean, you know, some of your mammals or your moms learned to drive with a three on the tree. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all? Young, I mean, if you're below 40, you don't know what three on the tree means. And you had to have a leg that big around to put your clutch on that pickup truck. Y'all remember that? I'm aging myself now. But the deal is, what people say is, hey, get it in gear. Because if you don't get it in gear, you're not going anywhere. And, and God has had it in gear, but if we're not careful, we will slip, we'll, we'll let it slip out of gear and we'll put it on cruise control. We'll think that we've arrived and we will chill out. Matter of fact, let me ask you a question. If you're listening, say I am. At every campus, listen, every single campus, what are you doing individually for God or in your life that if God doesn't move, you're going to fall flat on your face? See, that's what faith is. Faith is working and walking where if God doesn't come through, you're going to be in trouble. Does that make sense? But we don't want that, do we? Excuse me? No, we don't want that. We, we don't want to get put in that bind, so we, so we simply we don't operate in that. But it's because if you're going to live by faith, then it's going to require you to be dependent and desperate for God to move. As a leader, as a, as a, as a leader in ministry for over three decades now, one of the things that God has led me to do is continually to stay over my head. Does that make sense? He continued to put me in roles that were too big and too hard and too fast and too far, even as the growth of this congregation. And he, he puts me in a place, and I just say, God, I, there, I don't know how to do that. I mean, what, how are we going to get that? And what that's caused me to do as a leader is live on my knees. Does that make sense? Because, listen, let me tell you one thing. I, let me tell you two things. There is a God, and I'm not him. And I, amen, come on, somebody in the house. And so, <clears throat> and so I've got that. I realize that. And I am desperate. Listen, by, by, human, by human ingenuity, we can't save a soul. I mean, Jesus said, without me, you can't do anything. And so, but what happens is, it is human nature for us to move away from faith, away from dependence and desperation for God, and to fall back into a comfort zone. Does that make sense? Where we're, we're, we're not desperate. See, when you're desperate, it changes your prayer. You know what I'm talking about? When you're desperate, it puts you on a whole nother prayer plane. Because, because if you're not desperate, if you're doing what you can do, then why do you need God? Why do, why do churches need God? Why do small groups need God? Why do our ministries need God? We need God because he's called us to do something we can't do. And so if it's going to get done, then he's going to have to do it. I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will build it. And it's not by power, it's not by my, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He's the one that does it. Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the, every, the increase. Every time we reach another person, God reaches them. He uses us, but it's him. So for 20 years, faith promises continue to take one step of faith after another, continue to put one step in front of the other. Even right now in our ministry, at, our, at, our, at the church that, that we're a part of today, by the end of this month, four campuses will add a service. 
four campuses. Blunt's already done it. They're bumped up to almost to 1,000. North Knox is about to move into another service in their brand new building, already adding another service. Campbell County campus is going to add another service. Pellissippi is adding a third Sunday morning service. We just, we just continue to move. Does this make sense? Amen. Now, what does that mean? It means that people are going to have to move some services. Amen. It means people have to, it, it means that people have to move and, and, and change and, and go to a different kind of different time service. It means that some people that are in spiritual neutral and ministry need to kick it in gear and use their gifts for God. Amen. I'm not talking about volunteering. I'm talking about using what God has gifted you for the body of Christ. And there's a bunch of people that are spiritually, ministerially in neutral. Are you with me? Grab the gears, double clutch that puppy, and slam it into gear and get moving. You say, oh, I'm afraid. Well, good. It makes you dependent and desperate for God. I don't show how to do it. Good. Then you'll have to pray. Somebody will equip you. Somebody train you. But I tried it before. I fell on my face. Good. Get up and try it again because you need God to do it. Amen. If you could do it, you don't need God. We don't want you to do it. So, see, as we add these services, we're talking about, we're talking about hundreds of people are going to have to put it in, get in the game, going to have to put it in drive, going to put it in first gear and move out and say, God, where have you gifted me? Where have you given me passion? Where do you want me to serve? In the body of God, where, where is it? Got to get in the game. I mean, that, that's just that's what we have to do. Does that make sense? Now, this is, I'm going to show you one of the greatest problems and why so many people are not involved and why churches never can seem to get their vision on the harvest where the heart of God is. Amen? And that is because we, we spend the, most of our time dealing with our problems. Would you agree with that? Now think about your life. And right there in your chair. Don't you spend the bulk of your time trying to fix your problems? Is that right? Come on, every is that right? All our campuses? Come on, listen. Now, let me ask you another question. So we all agree we spend the bulk of our time working on our problems. Let me ask you this. If you're ready, say, I'm ready. You think you'll get them all solved? Are you sure? Not as long as you live on planet Earth. So with problems, see, if you solved every one you had, you'd get a new crop. <laughs> because in this world, you will have tribulation. So let me tell you the key to victory in the midst of problems. Are you ready? This is the key to victory. This is what God wants you to do. Get involved with something bigger than your problems. See, as long as you're focused on your problems and your issues and you're spending all your time trying to fix what's wrong, again, we never run out of problems, so there's always, there are always things to do. But if you'll get your vision, your focus, onto something that's larger. You know what the Apostle Paul said? He said, these problems I'm facing are light and momentary. Now, now light and momentary. Jesus was, was whipped 39 times, and it almost killed him. Paul was whipped five times, 39 times. He was stoned at Leicester, and I'm, and I'm not talking about recreationally. He was stoned at Leicester. 
I believe he was dead and God raised him back. He was shipwrecked multiple times. He was thrown in prison. He was beaten times without numbers. People tried to kill him everywhere he went. And he said that was light and momentary. Does that sound light to you? Man, that's not light or momentary. So how in the world could Paul say that my problems are light and momentary because his vision and the ministry that he was involved with was so much bigger than his problems? So his focus was not on all the stuff that was going on. His focus was on the vision and the ministry and building the churches and getting the gospel out. Does that make sense? So in the midst of the melee and the mess and all this thing where he was hated and, man, just everybody talking about him. You talk about blog and a, and a, and a page with people, you know, uh, title, topics page. You know, the, you know what a topics page is? It's when something write, somebody writes something ugly about you, then other people begin to write the ugly things about you. There's one about me. I, I didn't know. Somebody told me the other day. They said, are you going to read it? Well, why would I read what idiots write? <laughs> are, you, are you with me? Man. Listen, if somebody doesn't like me, they have bad judgment. So why would I want to read? <laughs> See, when you, <laughs> help me, Lord, come on. When, when you are, when you're looking at this great vision, your problems look small. But see, we don't look, most of us are not looking at this great vision. We're looking at our problems. So we become grasshoppers compared to our problems instead of our God being great and having us involved in something greater than ourselves. That makes sense. See, that, that's the deal. And, and what we need is the Spirit of God moving on us and engaging, getting us out of our seats and getting us into service. And we need to discover, develop, and deploy the gifts that God has given us. We'll never reach the people God wants us to reach if we're not developing, deploying the spiritual gifts that God has given us. So, you know, we give spiritual gifts tests. We're trying to get you involved in where you're gifted and, and, and what God wants you to do. That's the only way that we'll go where God wants us to go. Now, again, first 20 years, decade of dreams. That's, that's sort of where we're, gonna, where, where we're looking at the end of that. And this is the mandate that God has given us. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. If you've been around church, you got this. You understand this. You, you memorize this. If you haven't, it's going to be brand new, and it's so cool. This is so cool. Jesus has died on the cross. He's risen from the grave, and he's about to go back home, not to Galilee, to heaven. And he meets with his boys, his gang, his, and this is what he tells them. This is called the Great Commission. Go, therefore, or let, see, and, and, you know, a lot of people say this is a missions call, and so this doesn't apply to me. Literally, literally, as you are going... This is to every follower of Christ. The Great Commission is for all of us, not some of us, but all of us. As you are going, make disciples of all the what? Literally in the Greek, make disciples of all the ethnos. Does that word sound familiar to you? All the, we call it, we, we, that word today is eth ethnicity or all the, the, you know, the, all the ethnicities. Go to every single nation, all the ethnicities, baptizing them. What have you got to do before you baptize someone? Got to win them, right? See people, you got baptizing them in the name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> 
teach them to observe some of what I've taught you. All that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you. How, how often? Now, now, I'm going to think about that always. What's he mean? Is God not omnipresent? So is he not everywhere all the time? If you go back to Luke chapter 4, Jesus is calling the disciples. And he said, come with me and I will make you fishers of what? Of what? Men. But he didn't say, I'll be with you always then, because they wouldn't have believed it. Now the resurrected Lord has thrown a death punch to the throat of death. Now they believe him. And he says, I'll be with you always. Now, why does he put it in this context? See, a text without a context is a pretext. He is giving the church his great commission, right? And he's telling us to go make disciples of all the nations, baptize them, and teach them. And he's with us always. Well, we know he's always there, so why does he say that? You want to experience God at a greater level than you do what's closest to God's heart, which is the Great Commission. And so if we are a church and you as individuals and every one of our small groups is involved in the Great Commission, then I'm going to be with you always. Does that make sense? Always. I'm going to be with you even to the end of the age. Now, he'd already said the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. I'm going to heaven. So, again, why does he say that? I'm going to be with you always. Because he is close to the heart of the harvest. And it is so easy, church, for churches and ministries to get their eyes off the harvest field and what color the carpet is. What style the music is, what the billing looks like. I mean, the devil is such a he is such a liar that he gets churches off onto all these other things. Why does faith promise exist? To make it hard to go to hell for people that are far from God. Amen. Now, what that what what causes us to what that causes us to do, if you're gonna reach people nobody's reaching, you gotta do what nobody else is doing. See, most churches are so selfish, they do everything for themselves. They don't care about the harvest. They say they do. They get up and pray, oh, God, let us win lost people. And everybody's got their pew. You got to move, son. That's my pew. Well, I'm new. I didn't know. Well, get up. and Shut up and go sit somewhere else. That's my, are you with me? And that's my parking place. And man, that's just, no, there's no room. Got to move. See, churches are selfish. And if we'll keep our eyes on the harvest, we'll be selfless. Does that make sense? So listen, every campus, let me just, can I just say something to you? Quit climbing under the places that have fabric on them. Quit climbing under the room, the parts of the room that you can't sit in. Either wait or stop going there. Do you think that we do that just to make you mad? We do it because we don't want lost people or late people to have to sit up front because you're going to feel from the back row forward. Nobody's saying, hey, how come the front row's not open? Because it is as soon as you get here. Well, people are waiting. Hey, would you move that curtain? No, we're not moving that curtain. Why? Because there's 800 seats up front and there's 200 people. At every campus, people are, I mean, listen, I've seen them roll like commandos under chairs. 80-year-old women dive and roll. Scoot up, sit in a chair. I mean, there's things all around say, don't sit here. Like they're invisible. 
Come on, guys. Well, I want to sit where I want to sit. That's because you're selfish. That's because you don't care about lost people. Now, at Palsippi, we've had some bad seats. We got that. Somebody sent us a picture of what they got to see a couple weeks ago at Palsippi. Big honking, big, what do you call it? Column. I said, man, that's a pretty column. <laughs> so we moved some chairs. We got that. We understand that. But come on, guys. Amen. Every campus, listen, I'm talking to all of Faith Promise. What's our deal? Our deal is to make it hard to go to hell. So we do things for other people. We add services for people that are not yet here. Is that with, that's why we rewrite a song. That's why we do things. You say, well, I never see anybody do that in church. I know. I know. And you grew up in a church that wasn't growing. And you grew up in a church that they used the baptistry for a flower planter. And so, man, we are going to be about souls if they promise church. Anybody with me? Come on, somebody give God some praise. Let me give you another that follow up to the Great Commission, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says this, but you will receive what? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my what? Witnesses is a legal term. It means to stand in a court of law and tell what you have seen. They are about to beat the apostles. And they said, you guys shut up about this Jesus. They said, listen, do whatever you want, but we can not help but tell that which we have seen and heard. You're going to be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. That's what, that, that's, that's what God wants us to do. So let's talk about our Jerusalem and our Judea. Because, you know, we're, we're doing missions around the world, Costa Rica campus. We'll add another campus internationally, but, and, and we'll keep doing that. But what about, what about where we are? This is really what I wanted to get to. I want to lay the groundwork because this is where I believe God is leading us in the next 20 years. Let's look at this. And he said, we'll go start again where we have been, our past, then our present. We're one church with many locations. We're one house with many rooms, but our visions impact the unchurched of the world for God starting in our surrounding nine counties. Faith Promise started in Oak Ridge. That's where smart people are. Started in Oak Ridge. And then literally we were in three campuses. We were doing multi-site before it was invented. We didn't even know it. We could have been the first. We didn't even know it. So then we were in Iroquois. Then we moved from Iroquois to the Pellissippi campus and we expand that multiple times to add more seats for more souls. We kept expanding it. Then we went multi-site in 2010, and we started our Blount County campus. It said 225 people. There's 1,000 people worshiping there. I mean, hundreds have been saved. Thank God for what's going on. Then our North Knoxville campus, again, 2012. It's grown by 300%, 400% now. Then we did our Anderson and our Campbell County campuses, but we can't stay here. Where are we going to go? That's where we are. So what's our next step? Where are we going? Well, this is our future. This is where God is leading us to the surrounding 10 counties. Our Jerusalem and our Judea. A million, 45,000 45, people, over 90% don't go to anybody's church. We're going to go to Roan County, plant a congregation, a church, 53,000 people. We're going to Loudoun. We're going to Loudoun. We're going back to the University of Tennessee as soon as we get the right leader. Man, I, I won't on campus. We're going to Sevier County, 93,000 people. 
We'll do multiple campuses. We're going to Jeffco, population 52,000 people. We're going to Jefferson County. Guess where we're going? Granger. Ought, ought to be Mater County, 20,000 people. We're going to Union County, 19,000 people. Going there. That's what got, this is our Jerusalem and, and our Judea. Knox County, the surrounding eight, and then, and then Camel County. And we may pick another county up. But this is where, because God may open a door in, you know, here, here. And some of these counties will have more than one campus. We already have two in Knox. We'll do three. We could do three. We're, and we could do two in, in uh, Blount County. When we launched the Blount County campus, it was in Maryville, and we were going to call it the Maryville campus. But we knew if it was Maryville, nobody in Alcoa would go. So we called it <laughs> the Blount County campus. And that's how we literally came up with the counties as names. So, but we're going to the, to the surrounding nine, eight counties and then nine, which is Campbell, Knox being the center, our Jerusalem, our Judea, uh, for a million people. Many of these counties have not had a growing church in 25 years. Over 90% of the entire region doesn't go to anybody's church on the weekend. You say, but there are churches everywhere. That's right. And take a Sunday jaunt and go to as many churches as you can and open the back door and look in, and what you'll see is loose lumber. You'll see empty pews. That's what you'll see. I hate it. I wish it wasn't that way, but that's just the way it is. So this is where God is calling us. This is what God wants us to do. If we're going to make it hard to go to hell, then we've got to have a faith promise family on every street, a small group in every neighborhood, a church in every area. If we're going to make it hard to go to hell, then we've got to be total saturation, total penetration with so winning people who care about folks that are lost. That's what God called us. And that is why we can't stay here. So, and, but I, and before the Lord tells me it's time to step down and give the reins to somebody else, we're going to reach 25,000 people for him. Amen. Reach 25,000 people. Say, Chris, what, I mean, we're not at 10 yet. I know it. But I could see 10. And so every time I could see it, God says, hey, by the way, <laughs> come here. Stupid, come here. No, no, you can see, you're, you're chilling. You're, you're putting on cruise control. Chris, this is my church. And we're going to take that vision to the next level. I said, but God, I don't know how to go to Granger County or Mater. The only thing I know about Granger County, listen, guys, the only thing I know about it is they have good tomatoes. <laughs> and I heard they have a tomato festival. That's all I know. Union County, 19,000 people. I don't know how to go to Union County. I, you know what? I know how to send 300 people to Blunt. I know how to get 225 people to go to North. I know how to, uh, and I, we know how to do that, but how do you go to Granger where we don't know anybody? Well, some of y'all know some people in Granger. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because, see, this is, the, this is the deal. We have the favor of God on us. Are you with me? Now, when, now, I want you to make sure, I want to make sure you hear me say this. When you say, because people are going to come up and say, listen, Pastor, how are we going to do that? And this is the deal. I got two words for you. Ready? Clue less. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. But I know this, that the favor of God is on this church. This is rare. Don't take this for granted. 
Don't, don't, don't kick it in neutral because you've grown accustomed to people being saved every week and people being baptized every service. Listen, don't kick it in neutral. Man, we need God. But if you want your life to count, if you want to be involved with something that's huge, and I'm asking you to join the vision God has given us. It's larger than life. It is. Matter of fact, look, can I just be honest? Some of you are going to help us figure out how to plant a campus in Granger County. I'm not sure I can talk where people in Granger County will get it. Are you with me? You have another language over there. You have another dialect in Campbell County. I'm learning it. I am. I'm, I'm, so, this is the deal. But, so what it's going to take is some of you guys are going to figure out how we're going to do this. It won't look like we've done it in the past, will it? It'll be different. We'll do it a different way. I don't know how we'll do it, but people are already giving feedback and thoughts and, hey, I've got family members that, 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 get, that live here and there, and we can do it. And see, this is the deal. We, we need 1,000 people that go to this church to begin to ramp up and lead at a higher level. There's more in you than has come out of you. And if you'll by faith step up, then you can do like many of us. You can live your life on your knees because you don't know how you're going to do what God's called you to do. You don't know how you're going to start that small group. You don't know how you're going to do it. But you believe that God has gifted you and you're going to make it hard to go to hell. Man, we need about 1,000 people to up their game. This is what I know. Listen, you want to make a difference or you wouldn't be here. I believe it. Listen. What's keeping so many of you back is all your problems. You're caught up in a pile of problems. You just are. But the Bible says in this world, you're going to have a pile of problems. You're going to have tribulation. And you can live on the treadmill of tribulation every day. Man, that hamster wheel worrying, i got to fix this. And what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, you know, the next thing you know, you're dead. And you never did anything for God because you spent your whole life on the treadmill. I'm going I'm to serve as soon as I get all this worked out. It's not going to get worked out. You get to heaven. Listen, when Jesus got that rough bunch of ragtag disciples, and he cut them loose, it wasn't long before they were preaching and doing ministry. They didn't go to seminary. They hung out with Jesus, and they went out and told the story. Get off the treadmill of tribulation and put your eyes onto a grander, more glorious God and a greater vision and let your life elevated, begin to focus, get your eyes on Jesus and people that are going to hell and focus on something that's huge and glorious about making an impact and then your problems will begin to shrink and your vision will get big. We're talking about paying eternal dividends, not just in heaven. We're talking about having joy unspeakable here. We are. It's amazing how many people look at me and say to me or somebody on our staff, you know, the pastor doesn't have any problems. I'm married. I have kids. I have grandkids. Listen, man, a, a church, you, what, what I, if you don't think I have problems, let me let you just answer my emails one day. Because every weekend people leave mad at me, and then they want to send me an email. 49 pages. The first thing I do when I pull an email up, because I read all of them, 
If I begin to scroll down and two thumbs, I don't get to the bottom. So if you send a big, long one, I like speed read. Scan. And then people left the church mad because I'll answer a 14-page email with a sentence. Praying for you. Love you, PC. I do. I have people email me mad at me. And I ain't missed one lady, but she lit me up. And I answered back. I said, I'm so sorry. I answered your email on my phone. I have fat thumbs. I did it between. I didn't mean to offend you. Literally, I have people mad at me every day. I had a girl come here three weeks ago. She lit me up. That's the worst service I've been to. Y'all suck. I heard your church was great. It was horrible. You stink. It's, oh, I can't believe the music was terrible. That long video was horrible. I wrote back, I'm so sorry we failed you. Pray for me. I'm trying to get better. <laughs> That's how I write emails back. Now, I just say, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get better. I do. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get better. That's not what I'm thinking. Because the thoughts I thought weren't saved. <laughs> and I walk around trying to love on people and half the people who stop me are mad. Listen, there are a lot of times I just want to stay in the back and not come out. Because I know when I walk around, half the people who stop me are going to tell me what they don't like. I don't care what you don't like. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Grow up. Put your big boy pants on. Literally. I walked in the service this weekend. The first people, I, the, the first bunch of people I saw told me stuff they didn't like. I thought, yeah, can I do anything about that? I can't do anything about that. But that's, that's the deal. Do you think I don't have problems? I could spend the next hour talking about my problems. But you know what? There's a vision. And it's 10,000, it's 25,000, and it's a campus in every county, and it's making it hard to go to hell, and it's winning people far from God. And the more I look at that, I look at these little old problems and say, that's nothing. That's pit. Matter of fact, I, you know what? I agree with you. I just don't have any problems. Because this is huge. And so I just want to, listen, I want to live and have to depend on God. You know what? We've set our Easter schedule, 26 services. We have 18,000 people. Amen. Come on. Eight, 18, we have 18,000 people. We're going to have hundreds of people baptized. We're going to start at Pellissippi on Wednesday night. I've told Zach, our student pastor, fill it up on Wednesday in Jesus' name. Man, students fill it up on Wednesday night and their parents. I said, you know what? Then those students can serve the rest of the week. And so we're Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night twice, Sunday morning three times. Man, all of our campuses are adding services. Why? Let me tell you why. What, a great friend stopped me last week and told me this after the service. Rocked my world. I've thought about it all week. It's just, uh, she said, do you see that video on the Jordanian pilot? I said, I didn't see the video, but I heard the story. Put him in a cage and cooked him. Did y'all see that? ISIS, she said, you know, he only burned for 10 minutes. Hell's forever. The whole world's talking about the torture of that Jordanian pilot. And the church has forgotten there's a hell that everybody that's lost is going to. 
Everybody that's not born again is going to. That everybody that doesn't bow their knees to Jesus is going to. And with every breath, every minute, every second, every gift, everything I'm going to do, I am never going to babysit a bunch of Christians. We are going to win people to Jesus. We're going to make it hard to go to hell because we don't want anybody to go there. Come on, somebody. Give God some praise in the house. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Praise to the God in this house. God, break our heart for that which breaks yours. Jesus, you died on the cross so that we wouldn't have to go to hell. So that we can miss it and gain heaven. Oh, God, would you help us get our eyes off our problems and things that are small and insignificant. And would you help us get our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Help us, God. Now, there's some of you that know you need to get in the game. You need to begin giving and fund the vision of God, his house, by tithing. You know that you need to start serving. You know you need to step into the game. It's time. Just, you know, put it, put it out there. But there's others of you that have never been born again. You know it. You've been religious. You may have, may have gone to church. But right now, if you're ready to open up your heart to the one that died for you so that you would not have to experience the fires of, fires of torment of hell forever, then I want you to open your heart up to Jesus. We're going to pray with you this confessional prayer. Say, dear Jesus, I know I've sinned, and I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord, Savior, and King. I don't want to go to hell. And I don't want anybody else to go. Use me, God, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, somebody give God some praise. Wow. Man, grateful. Just, man, grateful for all that God is doing. If you prayed that prayer, you opened your heart up for Jesus, to Jesus, you can fill the communication card out in front of you, internet campus. You can go to the chat room or right there's a communication card. If you'll fill that out online, somebody will be in touch with you and we're, we're here for you. There'll be people down here to pray with you. Hey guys, what God has called us to do is supernatural. I don't know how to do it, but we're going to live on our knees now we're going to fight for heaven, and we're going to make it hard to go to hell. Aren't you glad you came to the house of God this weekend? Man. Now, for those of you in this service, it won't matter, but the Pellissippi, we're at the end of the month, the Sunday morning will be 845. It'll be 10 and 1130. But that doesn't apply to y'all because you're not going to Sunday morning. As a matter of fact, this is what we believe. We believe God's going to move so much on Saturday night. By the end of this year, we're going to bring back a second Sunday, Saturday night service. Saturday. So, listen, I'm way over. I love you. Be blessed. Apologize to the children's workers. <laughs>